Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is Ryan Pelton, your Prolific Writer Podcast host, and this is my podcast. I'm glad that you're here. However, you found us. We have another great episode in store. We have Barry Hutchinson on the podcast today. And Barry is an interesting dude. Uh, he hails from Scotland, the Highlands of Scotland. So, probably the furthest guest we've ever had from the undisclosed basement cave of the Midwest in which we host the prolific writer podcast. And Barry was gracious enough to come on the show. And Barry is a sci-fi writer, indie writer, uh, has a very popular series called space team. And if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check it out space team. And, but he's also known for writing children's books and youth books, uh, books geared for young folks, young lads, and actually, that's how he got his career started. And he's written over 80 books in the children and young adult categories. And we have a really interesting conversation of why he continues to write children's books, but also his transition into writing adult fiction and why he writes sci-fi and funny sci-fi and, and all of that. But also what he loves about the traditional world, but also what he loves about the indie space and really enjoys the freedoms that he has uh, being an indie writer and the ways he can create the work and market his work and it really loves that. And so we have a really great conversation. Barry's a, a humble guy, a funny guy, and has written a lot of books, a lot of words, and has some great advice to share with us. And so if you're 
someone who's maybe toying with the traditional route or toying with the indie route or just getting started or somewhere in between, I think this episode is going to help you a lot. And also he gives some just great advice of just how do you keep on going? How do you find the time? He has a young family and uh, just really gives us some, some advice deep in the trenches of writing thousands, millions of words. Um, and he's a busy guy. I think he even has a TV show that's in the works. And, uh, and so, uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode with Barry Hutchinson. Welcome, everyone, to the Prolific Writer Podcast. I have Barry Hutchinson on the line, and uh, why don't you say hello, Barry? Hello. How are you all doing? Uh, Barry is a sci-fi writer, um, also a children's uh, author as well, and we'll talk a little bit about that, too. And uh, he is joining me. We have two history-making things that happened today on the Prolific Writer Podcast. One is we did an episode with someone before noon, which never happened before. (laughs) And now we're doing one with a guest who's probably the furthest away we've been. I think we did one in Canada, but now we're in Scotland. So Barry's hails in the highlands of Scotland, and we're really glad that he's on the show today. So uh, Barry, why don't we uh, talk a little bit um, about kind of your journey your career because you started uh writing books in the children's uh space and now you're writing sci-fi kind of funny sci-fi stuff and uh yeah why don't you talk a little bit about that yeah well i mean i actually i decided when i was nine years old that i wanted to be an author um we had just we did a project in my school on uh, on roald dahl the children's author and that was the first time that i realized that it was a job you know that you, this was something you could actually do and people would pay you money for it um and i used to love writing stories prior to that and, I, and from, so from that moment on i knew i wanted to write to write books um i kind of got a bit sidetracked in my teenage years wrote some screenplays which got, got optioned and never went into production um, and then I kind of started gravitating back towards books when my my own my first child my son was born, um, and I decided I was going to write some children's books. And I think part of the reason for that as well is that I have, as quite a lot of men have, I think, is that sort of reaching that sort of twelve year old mindset and then never getting any further. <laughs> uh, so I decided I was going to write. Uh, I had an idea for a story. It was a horror series um, about a boy who's imaginary friend from when he's four comes back when he's 12 and tries to kill him in a variety of horrible ways. Um, and and I wrote that. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd written a few things before that, just almost as practice, that I never sent anywhere. Um, this was the first thing that I sent anywhere. I sent it to an agent, and um, and they picked it up, and they sent it to HarperCollins Children's Books, and they picked it up, and, and that was it. It was, it was literally that straightforward, you know. Um, so that was back in 2007, uh, there were six books in that series. Then I wrote a few more for HarperCollins, and then I started writing for a variety of other publishers. I've written over 80 children's books since 2007. Um, and it was it was last year that I decided to investigate indie publishing a bit more. I had ideas for books for grown-ups that I wanted to write, um, but I kind of didn't... You know, as a children's author, you don't automatically have that, um, that kind of acceptance that you can write adult books as well you know publishers 
quite often publishers of grown-up books are a bit suspicious of children's authors. And so I was going to have to go through that whole thing of proving myself all over again. Um, and I, I didn't fancy that um, for a number of reasons. But I, I also, one of the things I don't like particularly about traditional publishing is that complete loss of control that you have. I'm a bit of a control freak. So um, that thing, when you write a manuscript and you send it off and then everything else gets taken care of for you, which is you know appealing in some ways, but I there'd be times when I wasn't particularly keen on the cover that I would get back or I didn't, um, I didn't really see what the publisher was doing to market certain books. And I thought, I can do this um, better, <laughs> I thought, quite arrogantly. Um, and I wrote, uh, I wrote a horror serial called The Bug, um, which flopped terribly and just died a death. Uh, so I thought, I'm going to try again. And I wrote Space Team, which is uh, my current series, comedy sci-fi series about a, a petty uh, a petty criminal on Earth who gets mistakenly abducted by aliens and ends up um, leading this team of intergalactic criminal misfits who save the universe, basically. Yeah, and it's a it's a great series. I've been been reading it, and uh, if you haven't checked out Space Team, check it out. Um, so so this is a, an interesting um, and one of the reasons I want to have you on the show because I, I love this your story, and you know, children's author young adult author to adult author kind of indie space. Now, I guess the question I have for you, are you still writing in the children's space or is that kind of fading out? Yeah, I'm still doing that at the moment. Certainly I've got, uh, I've got a new series starts with a publisher in uh, September, another new series, which starts in October next year. So uh, this year I've got, I have 13 books to write in 2017 um, before my indie stuff. Okay. So uh, it's been it's been a busy year so far. I haven't slept very much, <laughs> right. um, and and I hope that. But as of next year, I'm going to try to focus more on the indie stuff, um, and gradually shift over to doing that almost exclusively. Okay. So are you? Um, I mean, are you able, or were you able to like pay your bills with just the children's stuff before you got into the indie space? I mean, is that what kind yeah, of your only been, job I've, and? Yeah, I've been full-time children's author since uh, since 2007. It hasn't always been easy. Um, sure. There have been a lot of times when I've thought, you know, how are we paying these bills, um, as I think most authors go through. Uh, one of the good things about about living in Scotland in particular is we have an organization called the Scottish Book Trust, and, and they help arrange uh, author visits into schools. And they they pay the authors a fee, to go into schools, talk to kids about reading, about writing, about books in general, and then quite often the kids will buy the books as well. So it's a it's a double win. So so like a lot of authors in Scotland, a big part of my income was actually as a as a public speaker. You know, going into schools and talking about my writing process. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's really great. I I think that's such. I was just talking to someone the other day about just literature and children. We have three young children and you know, try to impart to them our love for reading. And, you know, the conversation we keep having with my wife and others is, you know, with devices and technology just in our faces all the time, you know, is reading going away, (laughs) you know, and and is literature going away? Yeah, well, funnily enough, I see a lot of kind of scare stories in the press saying, you know, kids don't read books. And and, when I go into schools, that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I I talk to all age groups. I talk to kids aged five years old. I talk to to 15, 16-year-old terrifying teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and they do read. You know, the the teenagers maybe slightly less so, but uh, up until eleven, twelve, kids read a lot. Uh, they don't seem to read e-books as much as adults do, but they read print books. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, in a group of of a hundred kids, eighty of them will be will be readers. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's good to hear because I, I I agree. I think you know the what the press says versus what's reality. I mean, my my kid. I mean, he's he's not even ten, and he's finishing up the Harry Potter series. And yeah, absolutely. That's I mean, it. Yeah, he read those in you know three months. I mean, and, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, last summer he read a hundred books. You know, they had like a competition, and they gave out yeah, wow. you know rewards and all this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, the school system is definitely. I mean, I don't know what it's like in Scotland, but here, I mean, they definitely are encouraging, and it. it's not like everyone's just on an yeah. iPad playing video games. But uh, <laughs> no, not at all. My 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 daughter's my daughter's seven, and her school actually abolished all homework in okay. favor of just just reading books oh, and just you know reading books and comics as well a big push on reading comics because I mean that's how I got into reading in the first place was reading comics man I'm jealous I wish I could go back to school with, <laughs> with your daughter that's would have been a lot cooler um well so let's let's dig a little further so um because I, I love this story of of children's now adults and I just it's funny you're 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 timely I just bought my book my wife a book and the the woman and wrote a very popular novel and she was a young adult novel novelist uh-huh. and you kind of said the same thing you said you know sometimes with children authors adult authors maybe you're not taken seriously or maybe it's just a hard transition but but let's talk a little bit about that so what is kind of your mindset when you go from writing kind of a fun kids horror story to you know and again you're not writing you know, with your space team stuff, it's not serious, but it's adult and it's, you know, adult humor, it's sci-fi. What's kind of the, the mind shift, the strategy? I mean, is there one? Do you really think about that? How, how do you kind of make that transition? No, I don't know. It's something I've, I've been fortunate that I've always been able to do because one of the reasons I've, I've managed to um, sustain myself as a full-time author is that I'm often writing more than one project at once. So I was writing my, my Invisible Fiends, the horror series, at the same time as I was uh, adapting the Ben 10 cartoon series into novel format for five-year-olds. <laughs> so uh, I was having to switch from that pretty pretty full-on horror stuff to uh, to a cartoon, you know, just taking a cartoon about aliens and, and writing it in a way that a five-year-old could read by themselves. So I've had to do that, and then I've been working on a non-fiction book. You know, I've done non-fiction um, about science, about history, and various other things for kids. So I've always had that thing of jumping around um, and working in, in different genres and for different age groups. Um, most of the books that I've written for kids are that sort of um, middle grade, 9 to 12, and some some YA stuff. And there's not actually a, a big jump in terms of, in terms of language use, certainly, between writing that and writing books for grown-ups you know one of the things i always say when i'm talking about writing books is to is to use the simple language don't go for the big words you know just because you can it's about making conveying your story in a, in a clear understandable way and that's the same whether you're writing for kids and whether you're writing for grown-ups uh, so i don't i don't you know have to flick a switch in my head to switch between the kids stuff and and space team or or, or the bug um it just kind of happens quite seamlessly. So I'm, I think I'm quite fortunate like that. Mm-hmm. Now, how about, uh, you know, how long are your typical, like, middle grade books? Like, how many words, how many pages? 
Uh, usually, uh, they, I mean, they vary. The, I'm doing a series at the moment which is called Beaky Malone about a boy who can't tell lies, and that they're um, 20,000 words each, thereabouts. I have a, the, my new series is called The Spectre Collectors, and those are about uh, 40,000 words. Uh, Space Team is 70,000 words, thereabouts. Um, but I also write, you know, I write a series for younger readers, which are all about 7,000 words each, and so it really varies wildly. Mm-hmm. Was that a was that a hard transition, kind of going from you know shorter, you know, seven thousand words, twenty thousand words to like full length seventy thousand word novels? Uh, a little bit. I mean, the the, the Invisible Fiend series they're all forty five thousand to fifty thousand words. Um, I wrote a couple of books which were comedy fantasy kind of for a YA audience uh, for HarperCollins, and they were about 65,000 words. So they were the closest I'd done to <clears throat> to full grown-up novel length. Um, so I, the the first time, that's why I started with the serial, actually. That's why I started with the bug, because I thought, I don't know if I can if I can sit down and sustain 70,000, 80,000 words. So the bug, I broke up into six parts and wrote six short um, self-contained episodes. Um, which I, you know, which I enjoyed and which I think are good. No one else reads them, <laughs> but, but, but I enjoyed them. You know, the few people that do seem to be really diehard fans of it. Um, just there are only five of them or thereabouts. So, um, but once I'd done that, you know, I mean, I did that over the course of uh, ten weeks thereabouts. I wrote, I wrote those six episodes, and at the end of it, I had a, a, an eighty thousand word um, story. So I thought, right, I can do that. And I just set about breaking up the first Space Team book. I just broke into into parts. I thought, right, I'm going to write part one, which is chapter one to chapter four. And I've you know, done that. Great. And move on to part two, which will be chapter five to chapter ten or something. Um, and I just broke it up like that into little into little pieces. And I, I was able to get through it that way. And since then, you know, I've, you know, the books have kind of got gradually longer as it goes on. Um, <clears throat> I think as I get as I get more used to writing to that length. Um, I'm finding it easier. Yeah, that's. I think that's really interesting. I mean, I, I when I try to think about, I've I've tried to do the reverse, write adults and then go to children, and I find it really difficult. It's it's to you know realize maybe the the children book sounds too adult, or you know, yeah. How, how do you kind of simplify these stories, and how do you you know write really clear? But I think it's a good exercise. I mean, I think I like what you're saying about writing clear. I mean, I think we're we just have this idea, especially starting out new writers you know, i gotta use these big fancy words and sound literary yeah, and which is awful you know and, and right. it makes it unreadable you know it's it's about just conveying the story that you want to tell in the most simple direct way possible i think if you if people go oh that's nice writing then you've failed in your job as a writer your job is to tell a story your job is not to draw attention to yourself mm-hmm. it's to it's so your characters can can uh you can tell the story of these characters and and uh, get your reader invested in that, not in going, oh, they've used big words. Um, I think the thing with kids writing as well is that um, with adult books, you get to um, you get to kind of mess around a bit and just be, you know, you can go, right, I'm going to have a paragraph when, uh, sorry, a chapter when they're just kind of hanging out, talking a bit. And in, in kids' books, especially the kind of kids' books I was writing, you have to have things happening all the time, you know. So, so my kids' books are all pretty relentless and you, you have to, kind of whittle down all the stuff which isn't necessary to the story um, and just get it moving right from page one and, and keep going to the end. And that's, I've kind of taken that with me to the Space Team. There is a bit of them 
kind of hanging about and having a laugh to get to really emphasize the comedy stuff but it's still this relentless um number of things happen to these poor people in every book mm-hmm. yeah that, that's i think the the beauty of a novel versus like a short story you know short stories it's like you know page first paragraph something's got to happen and you got to keep it moving but you know novel you got some room to kind of play a little bit yeah you can, and you can get sidetracked and you can go on and on little you know side quests and and, and have a, a couple of subplots in there and things and that all really just helps when I, mean, I found writing space team that um it's just it's the universe has just grown so organically around it you know and, and I'll, I'll create a character and then it's they're only supposed to be in it for you know a couple of paragraphs and suddenly they've got a whole chapter to themselves because I've become kind of so interested in this character. And I'm doing, uh, after the the sixth Space Team book comes out in July, I'm doing uh, my first kind of spin-off, which features a character from book five who I completely fell in love with and I'm giving them their own book. So um, I think, I love it when that happens in writing, but I think it's also, it's something which is almost exclusive to the indie in a market and that you can go right okay i'm going to do that now and you don't have to get approval from a publisher you don't have to to convince the sales and marketing team that that's a good idea mm-hmm. you can go right i think this is going to work so i'm going to go and do it you know so um so i love that mm-hmm. so uh, a few weeks ago a few months ago i remember you you wrote something on facebook about kind of determining should i keep going on the space team should i stop should i start something new and you know people obviously were enjoying the books and said hey you should keep you know if you enjoy it keep keep going and and things like that so so as far as an indie writer goes maybe you're in trad publishing you're kind of forced to i don't just say forced but you're hey you need to finish the series you need to do this um what's kind of the thought process for that I mean, it, what keeps you going on Space Team as opposed to starting that series earlier? You know, obviously it's selling okay. Um, talk talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, Space Team is, um, from my point of view. I mean, I had my first um, first five figure month last month, and this month I'm going to I'm going to beat last month, which is which is great, and that's all come through Space Team. Um, but I, I I just love these characters. Well, I feel like I'm kind of. It makes me sound really quite sad but i feel like they're my friends now <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just hanging about with like some old friends and uh and i get because i, I plot out to an extent but more often than not in fact i would say in every book it's gone a different direction at some point and it's taken me by surprise and i kind of get pulled along with it and um and i love that and that's something which i which I doesn't always happen when i'm you know writing my kids books it does sometimes but um usually because I, I've already had to give the publisher an outline of what I'm going to do and this is what you know this is what's going to happen and these are this each chapter is broken down like this it's, it's, you feel more trapped into that um, outline whereas with the indie stuff it's like okay the, the the plot has taken a left turn here I'm going to go with it and see where it takes me so I'm, I'm loving writing it and the um, the thought of stopping these books um, it's almost kind of depressing you know it's that thought of like i don't want to get to the stage where i'm not writing these characters anymore i'm sure that moment might come you know when i go no this is it uh but i'm when i um when i asked that on facebook and i kind of got a variety of responses and i i decided to email my mailing list um and uh, it came back overwhelmingly that they want more space team and uh second to that was 
space team spin-off stuff. So they're, they're really they're invested in that universe now. Uh, so I'm going to do my let's say the first spin-off comes out in uh, in October, and then I'm going to do the seventh space team book, I think, uh, just to keep them happy so they don't rebel against me. <laughs> that's, yeah, keep the readers happy. Um, yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. Unfortunately, they read too fast, and then you're just like, "Hold on, I, know. You know, I just put out the next one." Was, you know, yeah, yeah, I've had that. I've had yeah. you know, book five come out there uh, about two weeks ago, and <laughs> within three days, I got an email saying, "I want book six. <laughs> right. Well, I haven't started book six yet. You know, it's up for pre-order. You can do that, but I haven't actually started writing it. So I'm now I'm, I'm twenty thousand words into book six as of today. So it's it's getting there, um, and it'll be out in July. Great, well, great. So let, let's follow that thread a little bit, a little bit further. Um, th- this idea of writing what you're excited about, writing what you're you're kind of passionate about, because I, I I think there's there's these like two schisms that I hear happening kind of in the writing space. Is one is you know you got to write what sells. You know if it's sci-fi's hot, write sci-fi or a certain kind of sci-fi or rom- yeah. romance or whatever. But there is something you know, what I hear you saying, there is something about writing stories that you really genuinely enjoy the world and genuinely enjoy the characters that really keeps you going and keeps you kind of cranking out the stories. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I I mean, Space Team is, uh, is I wouldn't say it's written to market at all. It's uh, I, It was kind of written with an awareness of the market, uh, which the bug wasn't. The bug, I just thought, I'm going to write this and it's going to be great and everyone's going to buy it and I'm going to be rich. Um, and that just didn't happen at all. Space Team, I was more aware of kind of the conventions of the market. You know, I thought, right, what works in sci-fi? But I beyond that, I thought, I'm just going to write a story that I enjoy. And comedy sci-fi, you know, sci-fi's big, um, space opera's big comedy space opera less so i would say i don't think there's necessarily as big a market for it but it was a story that i wanted to tell and it was characters that um i don't i'd come up with you know a, a while ago i actually came up with the characters my mum um uh, a few years ago had cancer and we were she was um in hospital and i was kind of sitting at her bedside for days on end and these characters kind of um came to me then she was she was sleeping and i was just sitting daydreaming looking out the window at the stars and the kind of general concept of space team came to me then um and i so i i i kind of i vaguely knew the story i knew who the characters were and i thought no i'm going to write this and um if it does well it it does well if it doesn't then i'm going to write a couple more anyway because i want to see what happens to them oh that's great i i I think that's that's kind of where it's at. I mean, you, you, you can't just go to your writing table or desk or laptop or whatever and, and kind of hate, you know, well, I, I got to write this, this romance because yeah. romance is where it's at, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think so. I think some people can, I yeah. think it's a talent, you know, it's uh it's, it's, um, some people look at it as a job and that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's sometimes you hate your job mm-hmm. and you go in and you clock in at nine o'clock and you, you, you clock out at five o'clock and, and that's your working day. And some people are doing very well from it. It's not something I could do, um, but I think you know all credit to people who can. Mm-hmm. That's good. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about the genesis of Space Team because um, I mean a couple couple things come to mind as one, and you've already hinted at it. But you know, funny sci-fi isn't a big you know genre, and some say actually writing funny books is kind of you know, dangerous because, you know, what you think is funny might not be funny, whatever. Yeah. But, 
yeah. but you know, I, I I was actually drawn to your books quite honestly because I love I've always loved Douglas Adams, um, you yeah. know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and all his books and John Stalzy and some of his stuff, funny yeah. sci-fi. Um, and I'll, and I'll tell you why for me personally, this is just my personal thing, um, is because I don't like sci-fi. I don't like heavy sci-fi. I think it's boring. I think it's not that interesting. Um, but what I love about your books is that you're in a sci-fi universe, but you use the humor. You don't get overly, you know, geeky and technical and all that. Yeah. So I, I, think- I should say I don't get even remotely technical. I right, don't know right. Any, anything works in Space Team. Right, I mean, like literally, you... they say how, someone asked me recently how fast can the ship go? It was like, the ship can go as fast as the plot requires it to go. <laughs> That's it. That is, right. that is my guideline. You know, I don't know how it works. I don't know any of that stuff. Right. It just goes as fast as it needs to. But but I think for a guy like me and others that maybe are like, ah, oh, you know, sci-fi, I'm not really into that, they would enjoy your story because you could almost take your characters and set them in, you know, real time or set them in Scotland and it would still work, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, I would say it's almost more it's more science fantasy than, than, than science fiction. Right. It's Yeah, I mean, there are no – there's no physics involved in it. There's no science to it. Right, <laughs> right. Just, and that, and that, yeah. yeah, it's fantasy almost. And, and you know Douglas Adams, if you've read him, you know you obviously yes, have. Yes, Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide was the first um, grown-up book that I ever read, and I immediately fell in love with Douglas Adams and and the Hitchhiker's Universe. And um, so yeah, so I mean, Space Team is very much influenced by that. I would say it's influenced by uh, Red Dwarf, which is a a, a a TV comedy show that was on when I was growing up over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Galaxy Quest, which I love, but definitely um, Hitchhiker's Guide is a big, big influence, and Terry Pratchett as well as Discworld stuff. Um, these are all big influences on on Space Team. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's important for people to hear because you know, like John Stalzy in an interview was talking about his book he wrote, Red. Uh, what is it, Red? Red shirts, red shirts, yeah. yeah. And how he he says it's like an intro to sci-fi because I don't deal with a lot of the technical stuff. Like people that are yeah. hardcore, they're not going to like it. And yeah. you know, and I've actually seen some of your reviews, which is sad because people get the hard. You can tell the hardcore sci-fi get kind of disappointed, like oh, well, it's not you know this and that. But you're kind of like, well, that's not what I'm writing. I mean, you're very open about that. You're very yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you're not trying yeah, to. Absolutely, like you say, I think it's 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 a story about these characters who are thrown together. The fact they are in space is almost incidental to it. Mm-hmm. Well, good. So, um, so yeah, influence. So, sci-fi. Now, sci-fi. Growing up, that was that kind of what you read or what you enjoyed the most, or was that? No, I'm I, like yourself. I'm not. I, I'm I'm not a, a hardcore sci-fi fan at all. I'm the same thing. The whole military sci-fi and just the hard scientific stuff holds no interest for me whatsoever um i don't have the attention span i don't think or i'm not intelligent enough or something i don't know um i I did love the original series star trek uh which was you know was repeated i was i was born in 1978 so it was it had been aired many times before i saw it but i love that kind of that innocence to it that kind of again there was that thing of like how do you know how do the phasers work they just work that's it we've got the lithium crystals what are the lithium crystals i don't know but we've got them. <laughs> right. so it was that sort of thing so i i loved star trek um growing up originally i read i mostly read comics and you know, i read um batman spider-man superman the hulk all that stuff um and a lot of british comics as well which were all you know, American comics were all superheroes and action, and British comics were all about kind of 
naughty schoolboys with catapults and, and, and <laughs> it was all kind of comedy stuff like the Beano and um and, and I'm lucky actually that I I eventually got to I got to write for the Beano, which is a big kind of British comics institution. And I'm I'm actually writing for um for an American comic at the moment, which is coming out um later this year. So I'm getting to write comics too, which is which is amazing. Um but yeah, so I grew up reading comics and then I went on to um Hitchhiker's Guide. I didn't really read many books aimed at kids because a lot of what we had in our kind of local library was, you know, Enid Blyton and really um just really twee um, kind of books that just didn't appeal to me at all. I liked stuff that was action packed and exciting and, and made me laugh and made me kind of think. And so, Hitchhiker's Guide, Terry Pratchett's Discworld, um, loved all that. Read read those kind of cover to cover sort of thing. So so when you're you know obviously influenced by you know Adams and some others the the, the humor side you know this is always you know because they say it's dangerous to write you know, if you try to write funny stuff, how do you kind of think through that? Like as you're writing, I mean, is it just part of your personality that comes out? Is it like, I'm going to say something funny here, or are you trying to like, one of the things I I notice in in your space team books are, you know, Cal is a lot of the humor is the things he does because he's just, he's just an idiot, you know? And, and that's really funny. It's not trying to like tell jokes necessarily, but it's, it's revealed in his, his incompetency. Yeah. And I think, I think the dialogue stuff between the, the, to me, the jokes always come from the characters. The, The humor arises from the characters. It's not my job as the narrator to, to put jokes in it. It's, um, it's the characters who just happen to be funny. I looked at it. I look at it like it's definitely a, a comedy science fiction series, but I look at it first and foremost as um, an adventure series. You know, and it's it's um, the, even though it's comedy, each each book has a, a proper plot, proper storyline. There is jeopardy. There is there is death. There is destruction. There are things getting blown up and. Um, but the characters just happen; their interactions just happen to be funny, and that just comes, I think, from from knowing the characters well. You know, knowing how they're going to react in any given situation, um, and how they react against it because they're all so different. How they how they play off one another, how they get on each other's nerves, and um, and I think it's that thing of having this they become this little family, but they don't actually really like each other very much. You know, as, as as a lot of families don't necessarily, but they have now become by book five, book six, um, they've now become kind of inseparable. This 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 group, um, and I, it it just seems to happen naturally. I've never thought I need to put a funny bit on this page, mm-hmm. or I need to fit in two laughs before the end of this chapter. It's just their interaction just happens to make me laugh, and and hopefully makes. Other people laugh as well. Mm-hmm. One thing about the about the comedy thing that I was worried about is that um, people always said, you know, that only uh, the, the British humour is quite different to to the humour elsewhere in the world, you know, in in the states and in Australia. And um, so I was kind of worried. I thought, is this only going to be a, a series that British people get the joke? Uh, but the the vast majority of my sales are are from the United States, and and um, I think it's you know eighty to twenty. 80% US, 20% UK, or and a couple of tiny 1% elsewhere in the world. So it seems to have, the, the humour seems to have travelled, thankfully, apart from the odd 
one or two star review on Amazon where they just say this is not this is the least funny thing right. that's ever happened in the history of the world. Right. But, but you know, humor <laughs> is subjective. It is. Um, so, uh, so I, you know, I don't mind those. The the vast majority of them have have got the jokes, and that's that's that makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. I mean, I've read them, and I don't. I, you know, I'm from America. I wouldn't say I, I could tell you what British humor is or what. I mean, it's it's funny to me, and um, and, and I think that's the, the you know I want people to hear about your books because I've, I've had other um, sat, satire writers or humor writers on, and the thing is when you read their books again, it's not knock knock jokes. It's not hey, you know, put a funny thing here. It's it's almost exaggeration. It, it, it's yeah, yeah. it's exaggeration. It's it's. Um, you know incompetency and so you see him stumbling around that's that again that's the humor part of it that it's yeah i mean i think what what always appeals to me in humor is and you can do it well in sci-fi is you build something up to be such a, a big grand event and then you just kind of puncture it you know with that you can have just a line of dialogue or something happens that and it just punctures that pomposity of it all you know and, and just immediately reduces it down um and i love doing that it happens quite a lot in space team you know there are um they're confronted by some new impossible enemy and it's just punctured in some way that that immediately flips it on its head and makes it funny mm-hmm. or funny to me anyway <laughs> yeah. I, I like it right and, and i think there's a there's a good you know when you're doing things where stuff's blowing up when there's an adventure there's something the characters want humor sometimes diffuses the situation even a even a serious situation like i love like joe r lansdale he's written you know the happen leonard series and you know a lot of the situations they find i mean there's funny dialogue and there's they're crazy guys but but i mean it's serious stuff like they're trying to find a killer they're trying to stop a bad guy they're trying to you know like but it it kind of diffuses the scene and it gives some life and some Color Absolutely, to, yeah. Some color I mean, I to think, it. Yeah, I think there is humor in every situation. I think in in real life, and I think if you if you don't reflect that in in writing, then it it doesn't really ring true to me. Certainly, I mean my my horror series um, for for Harper Collins is like I say, it's a very, you know really full on horror. This this imaginary friend comes back and his mouth has been sewn together so he can't talk and really dark um and i think the first review of it i read said invisible fiends is the funniest horror book i've ever read and i thought it, it wasn't supposed to be <laughs> no, i had no intention of making it funny but when i read it back again it's that thing of the characters the their their interaction and and the things that arise naturally of what they're saying yeah it does add it adds that layer of of humor to it which i think um for me as a reader I find vital in a book. If I, if I get a humorless book, I, I really struggle to read it. Yeah, it is. Cause like you said, it's not true to life. I mean, we, we have to laugh at ourselves sometimes. And we laugh, do constantly. Laugh at the world yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, all the craziness going on. Um, well, Hey, let's, uh, let's, let's, I want to back up and, and touch a few things, uh, specifically to your kind of production. And, you know, one thing that, that really, surprised me i don't think i even realized this i knew you were writing young adult and children's books but you know you wrote 80 books um and then now you've written i think your space team you've written already like six or seven in the last year or two um, yeah well yeah i started back in uh august started writing a first book coming out in september i'm on book six but i've also done uh a kind of uh, space team the holiday special which was a, a christmas um short story which is about twenty thousand words and a couple of other short space team stories for 
uh, anthologies which are coming out in June. So, so yeah, I've done done quite a lot in that universe now. So that's you know a lot of production. Obviously, um, you, you mentioned working on multiple projects because you obviously have to. Um, yes. So, so talk a little bit, just kind of what you've been learning as far as your own process. I mean, getting to the the computer every day. Like, what does that look like for you? Uh, I I've now st- I now have to set my alarm for five forty five every morning. Um, I am at my computer by six o'clock, and I do writing sprints. So I do a couple. I use Brain dot fm um, to do these little writing sprints, uh, thirty minutes each. I do four of them uh, with a kind of five ten minute gap in between, and then uh, the plan is to have two and a half thousand words done by eight thirty when I go and take my, my daughter to school um, and then I come back. and I, I, th- So that's usually my space team time. That's when I work on my indie stuff mm-hmm. um, from kind of half nine through to lunchtime. I'll work on my trad stuff and then afternoon is usually um, admin, boring admin emails and arranging promos and, and all that stuff. Uh, but when I, when I started the indie stuff, my... I was determined that I was I wasn't going to spend any money on it up front. Uh, I so I des- I designed my own covers. I got a um, a two week trial of Adobe Stock, which uh, was free. So I I grabbed some pictures of astronauts and spaceships and outer space, and I made my my own cover for Space Team, and I edited it myself, and I got a couple of um, a couple of friends to to help me proof read it for for typos. Um, and yeah, and I've never I've, the only money I've ever spent on Space Team is money that it has already earned. So I did no promos to start with. I managed to get a few people to to spread it out to their mailing list, um, but I did no paid promos until it had actually made some money. So um, so yeah, so that was that was how I went about writing or how I went about publishing the Space Team series. But from a writing point of view, um, it's basically just. Getting uh, getting to the computer for six o'clock and writing until my eyes hurt. <laughs> now, are you? I, I heard you say earlier that you kind of plot, kind of don't. You just kind of have an idea yeah. and then let it go where yeah. it goes. Um, I I try and plot in detail. It never really works. I try. I do for every space team book that has come out. So, including book six, I have a chapter by chapter breakdown. One paragraph for each chapter, saying what the main point of that chapter is. Um, and then usually by about chapter five, I have completely abandoned it and, and gone in a different direction. And I tend to find my way back to, you know, round about chapter 25, 26, which is the kind of usually the closing chapters. I find my way back to the original plot, but I've taken a completely different route than intended to get there normally. But I think the process of, even if it's just um, you're eliminating the possibilities by writing down the cha- you know the chapter outline, I, I write down that chapter, I fully intend to do it, but it turns out that that's me just going, okay, that's the one I'm not doing and I'm doing something else instead. But knowing that that's there as a as a safety net, um, I think just helps me sit down and write, knowing that I've got an idea of where it's all going. Now, is your process for your traditional stuff the same? I mean, I know you have to send in an outline. and I mean, do they care or how does that work? Yeah, normally it depends on the publisher I'm working with. Um, normally, I will I'll write an outline of, uh, or certainly for a new series, I'll write an outline of the first book, maybe the first two books, and then by book three, they kind of go, okay, yeah, we we, we know you're going to put in something that that works here. So, 
they, they tend to be more trusting and I don't necessarily have to do that outline but um, certainly for the first couple of books they want to see an outline of, of you know what's going to happen who the main characters are and how it's all going to resolve and all that stuff so so I was quite used to plotting out that way but as i say once you've once you've sent it to the publisher and they've approved it and said yep do this it doesn't leave a lot of leeway to then go i've done something completely different instead here you go hope you enjoy it um not to say that i haven't done that but it's it's harder to justify uh which is why the indie stuff having that freedom to just go tear all that up and just do something else because it appeals is great so Let's talk a little bit because you've written a lot, obviously, and a lot of words. Um, you know, you're having your friends kind of edit, proofread, all that. Um, what's kind of your editing process? So you, you get at the desk, you, you write your two thousand plus words each day. I mean, are you coming back and cleaning it up as you go? Are you doing it at the end? You know, what does kind of your your draft look like when it's when it's kind of done by the time you send I, it off to someone? I think just through practice, through the sheer number of books that i've written i i'm i'm fortunate that i've formed a kind of um an, an inbuilt understanding of the shape of a story of how a story um has to kind of be formed you know what what are the required elements for it to be a story and not just a series of events which are happening to someone uh so my with space team i do a first draft i then over the course of maybe two hours go through and just make sure everything makes sense, you know, things which which pay off at the end and make sure they're set up early on and make sure that there's nothing that was set up that doesn't pay off. So that takes literally a couple hours. And then it goes now to my, I have a, an ARC team who, who read it and, and find all my typos for me, numerous typos, um, and and they give me feedback on, on the story in general. So... But so my my second draft is usually just cleaning up the typos. I don't really, I don't go to a, you know do a development edit. I, I just I know once I finish the story, I know this is this is ninety nine point nine percent of what the story is going to be, aside from fixing all the many typos. Mm-hmm. And then it goes out. I mean, you you put it all together as far as the inside and all that. Yeah, do all that. Yeah, although I've now trained my son up in um adobe indesign he's he's 15 to to format the print books for me so i am getting him doing those um but yeah i format the the ebook myself um i say i do the the cover and all that stuff myself and i write i hate writing the blurbs that was the bit that i find the most difficult out of the the whole process so i, I write the blurb i usually kind of workshop it in a couple of facebook groups and see what people think and then that's it that's it done. On to the next one, basically. <laughs> I tend to try and put the next book up for pre-order when the previous book is is available for sale, so um, I, I can have the link in the back of the, you know, I'll link in the back of book five at the moment for book six, which was up for pre-order kind of a couple of days before book five came out. Okay, that's great. Yeah, isn't it crazy how you can write a, you know, a full-length novel and can't write a blurb about what you just wrote? I know. Like, it's I know. like the hardest think, thing in the world. Yeah, I think I think the the instinct is to go right. I've got to just put the important bits in, but everything's right. important. Right, too. right. Uh, whereas someone with more objectively can look and go, okay, those three things are important, and nothing else matters. Um, so yeah, it is a difficult difficult thing. So so those listening, you know, kind of aspiring writers, indie writers, just getting started, kind of cranking out books, maybe first few books, first few series. Um, I like what you're saying about. I just had someone on talking about the same theme, but um, 
you know, not spending a lot of money on covers at the beginning, editing at the yeah. beginning until you start making money, you know, kind of seeing where it goes. I mean, what, what's some advice you'd give kind of along those lines? I mean, people still want, like your covers are great. I mean, you wouldn't know that you made them or, I mean, that's not, I mean, you're a good, good designer and all that. The books look great. So, I mean, there's no, I think downgrade in quality, but so what would you say are just some creative, you know, cost-effective solutions for editing covers, you know, all those kinds of things. I think it's just getting as many other pairs of eyes in it as possible. You know, the I tried designing covers for the bug, and I just I've still never managed to get the cover right for that. I just can't. Um, I'm not a designer at all, um, but I knew what I wanted for Space Team. I just had a very clear picture in my head of what it was going to look like, and I then set about sourcing similar images to those that I had in my head. But then, you know, I, I showed it to, to maybe 100 people, you know, between Facebook groups, between friends of mine, and, and I got and I listened to what they said, you know, because I think a lot of the time uh, we're all guilty of going, right, I want uh, feedback on this. And, and a lot of the time we don't. We want people to go, that's great. <laughs> we want reassurance is what we want. Right. Um, so it was important to go right. Okay, what are people? What are the recurring themes people are bringing up on this? You know, because some people will say, "Oh, I don't like the color," and that that's a subjective thing. But if there are fifty people saying, "I don't like the color," or or saying mm, that doesn't is not going to look good in thumbnail size, then you have to listen. So it, it's it's about getting as many kind of trusted opinions as you can, and then um, and then listening to them, paying attention, and 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 using that to build the next version. I mean, the cover of Space Team, I went through four or five different kind of slight variations of it. Um, everyone, because in each cover of Space Team, um, there's a speech bubble. The main character, Cal, he appears as an astronaut on each cover. Um, and he had, there's a speech bubble, like a kind of comic book style speech bubble, and he's saying something different in each one. And everybody told me not to have the speech bubble on the, the front cover of the first book. <laughs> And that's the one thing I didn't listen to because I knew that I wanted it, and it was like for me that's it was it was what summed up the entire um, the the entire feel and the theme of the book, and um, it, it just to me that said exactly what you can expect inside this book is that kind of almost comic book style adventure, and there was a little funny line of dialogue in the bubble, and to me it had to stay, so I left it despite everyone else telling me to to take it out. So it is. It's about listening to people, but also if there's something you're absolutely set on and sure on, then don't be afraid to just say, no, that's that's staying and that's it. That's and good. you have final call as an indie. That's that's the great thing. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's really good advice. I mean, there is that, that sense of, you know, we can't take all the criticism. And, yeah, yeah, because again, I mean, a lot of criticism is just opinion. You know, there's sure. no, there's no. If I if I just took the, the say the couple of, of scathingly negative reviews of Space Team, and focused on those, then you know, I'd never write again. But it's that's those people's opinion, and you know, they're entitled to it. But you don't have to agree with it. Yeah. Now, if if you know, a hundred viewers were all saying the same thing, then I might start to think, right, you know, there is a problem here. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah. Criticism and feedback is a set, basically just opinion. If lots of people share that opinion, then you start to pay attention. But don't necessarily pay attention to everyone's opinion. Otherwise, you're going to end up with, uh, you know, so far away from from where you started that it's, it's no longer going to be your product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my my favorite reviews are the one star 
person that meant to give you a five star. This is the greatest book ever, and they give you a one star. Oops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the other one was, I hate Amazon. They didn't deliver it on time. One star. Yeah, you're like, you're yeah. like, come on. Friend of mine got a, he'd bought a, um, got a review that says there was a sticker on the cover. Right. Uh, one star, and someone else that the. The guy delivering it had left it, had like put it somewhere, he stuck it in the garage or something, you know. And it was, I didn't find it for three days, one star. Right, right. You're like, come well, on. I can't do it. Unless I'm writing it and delivering it, then it's, right. it's not really a criticism of me. You know, you think, you know, can Amazon take those down? I mean, come on. I know, you would, you would yeah, you would think. Right. Uh, although, there's a little tip actually, I got, there was a review on, uh, on the Amazon UK. Uh, which was um, which was really like a scathing attack on me. It wasn't anything about the book. It was for some reason it was it was the the decided that I had um, that I, I hadn't admitted. Like, there's a little bio about me saying award winning author because I won awards from some of my trad stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And someone had said this is lies. He hasn't won awards. And but mm-hmm. um, and Amazon UK have an option. You can contact them and say. This is a defamatory statement about either the product or about me. Mm-hmm. And it was immediately taken down by Amazon UK. Amazon.com don't have that, I noticed. Mm-hmm. And you can't, and they just never take anything down, it seems. Uh, but but Amazon UK are, are quite good at taking things down. So um, it's if you have some negative Amazon UK reviews, which you think are genuinely unfair, I would certainly bring it to their attention. Interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, Barry, this has been really, really great. And one of the things that, um, you know, especially for you who's written, you know, 80 books plus and, uh, you know, written a lot of words, shared a lot of stories is, you know, we have a lot of aspiring prolific writers uh, that, that want to get better at their craft, want to produce more work and share more stories. What, what are just some things you, you've learned along the way that you would say, you know, here's some things that I would just want to encourage you with? Uh, I think having confidence in, in yourself as well. I went through... I say I've been doing it full time now for about ten years, and I would say the first five years I constantly felt like I was a fraud and about to be exposed, um, and that the publisher was going to say, "Actually, we've made a terrible mistake, and we shouldn't have given you any of this money." Um, and so I think having having some confidence in yourself, which I think is something you learn to do rather than something you can just immediately switch on, but um, yeah, having that confidence, you have to come right. No, this is something I want to do. This is something I'm capable of doing because we're all capable of writing books um so yeah have a bit of confidence but also practice i've been writing um stories since i was kind of seven years old you know and 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 there's never been a time in my life when i haven't written stuff uh because otherwise the voices in my head will will explode Uh, (laughs) so i have to kind of exercise it almost by by writing it down and everything I write is practice for the next thing that I write. So every every book that I've written is practice for the next book. So that next book is better as a result of having come after the one before. So it's just writing as much as you can. You know, you know, write if if you've only got fifteen minutes a day, write fifteen minutes a day. My uh, Invisible Fiends, the the horror book, the first one in the series, um, I only had uh, five to ten minutes every day to write it. So I wrote it in five to ten minutes a day over 18 months um and then i had a finished book so it's it's making that time rather than going oh you know i I don't have time it's making this time to do it right as much as you can and your confidence will grow organically i think as a result of that of just getting those words down that's great that's really helpful 
So does that make sense? Because halfway through that, I forgot yeah. what the question was. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I kept talking and hoped that. It, yeah, I asked if, if something. If a train was traveling from LA to Chicago going this fast, how long? No, I didn't ask that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> no, it, yeah, I think confidence is is big. I think there's just writing's a weird game. I mean, it's it, it does something to you that confidence thing of you know this is. It's no such a personal thing. Yeah, it's, it's like a, you're putting yourself out there in a way that. Right. Um, I don't think any other medium does, right. you know, because you're, you know, if you're making a film, you're making a film with 200 other people. Mm-hmm. If you're writing a book, it's you bearing your soul on right. on on the page, and and that's it. And I think that's why it's it's the most intimate kind of medium, really. Is that you know you've got um, a page or or a Kindle screen now between you and the reader, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yep, good point. So what are you, I heard you saying you're working on more Space Team. Tell us what kind of projects in the works and what we're... Yeah, um, Space Team Book 6, uh, Space Team Return of the Dead Guy, uh, which is uh, due out in July, working on that at the moment. And then the first Space Team spin-off, which is uh, called Dial D for Deadman, uh, and it's Dan Deadman, Space Detective, is the, is the series. Um, he was introduced in Space Team 5, and then back to to more space team. I think back to space team seven, which will come out in um, the future, November. I think okay. I can't remember when. I've got I've got a plan somewhere <laughs> written down. I have a plan, a publishing schedule, but I don't know where it is at the moment. So as well as that, I've got all my my trad published kids books um, working on some comics. I've recently started writing for um, an animated. Uh, TV series which is on in the on the states. Um, I can't name it at the moment, unfortunately, but um, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a, an animated series which is uh, I've just written my first episode for, so um, that will go into production soon and be out next year. So, um, so yeah, doing a lot of stuff really, and just just kind of doing things which which appeal and which amuse me and and which are fun which is a nice position to be in. Oh, that's great. Well, hey, Barry, this has been a, a real pleasure and so thankful for you taking the time. I know we're on a huge time change difference and yeah. you're getting closer to bed and I'm kind of in the middle of my day. So um, people are going to be really helped by this episode. You shared a lot of great advice, a lot of great wisdom. Keep on keeping well, on. Well, that's good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Space Team is wonderful. Go check it out, everybody. And Thank you uh, you're really going to like it. And you have a website, I believe. Yeah, it's just barryjhutchison.com. So, yeah, or I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and all these places. Great. Well, great. Well, thanks, Barry. You have a a wonderful day, and keep in touch, and uh, we'll talk again soon. You too. Good to speak to you. Thank you. Thanks, Barry. Bye-bye. Well, there you go, prolific writer, podcast peeps, Barry Hutchison. Check out his stuff, barryhutchison.com. Go check out Space Team. There's a bunch of books out there. You'll love that. Uh, go look up his children's books. You'll love those too. And I really appreciated Barry coming on the show. He's a funny guy. He's a humble guy. I learned a ton from this interview. And one of the things that I took away, and maybe you took away too, is that there is some beautiful things about the indie space that those that have been in the traditional space and have seen what it's like um, aren't always convinced that that's the best path. And, and I, I think Barry kind of exudes this creative freedom that he has that we all long for that we can create what we want to create and we don't have to have these gatekeepers um, and there's freedom to to get our books out to readers directly 
and to continue to create good work. It doesn't mean it's inferior work, but it's good work. And, and, and Barry's a great testimony to that. So I hope you really enjoy this. If you get a chance, go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a review. We really appreciate it. We, we're so thankful for the thousands of downloads uh, of the show thus far. And we have some continued great guests this year through the summer and the coming year. And so we're really excited for that. And uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be talking to someone who just wrote their hundredth book. And so I'm going to learn a ton uh, from that person. I won't say who that is at this point, but go ahead and leave a review and I uh, hope you guys listen up and listen soon and come back. And I will talk to you guys real, real soon.